Hello and welcome to another episode of Hope, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today on Hope with Danny, we have April Farlow. She is the founder of Lydia's Place. It's a mission for young adults who have aged out of the state care. Tell me a little bit about how you got to this place. Uh, and by the way, I don't know what aging out of foster care means, so you can help me with that too. Sure. Well, um, we we do like to provide hope to young adults, and, and we specifically focus on those who've experienced foster care or homelessness. And we really zero in on the age between 17 and 24, because we know that that's a critical age as someone would be coming out of living in foster care. Um, and foster care would be young adults who for some reason, um, are not able to live with their own parents um, or with, and sometimes it is an extended relative and they would still be in foster care. Um, but at any rate, they are taken care of by the state. And um, many times once they turn 18, they are left to find independence on their own. And that's where Lydia's Place comes in to try to help bridge the gap. Um, because when I think back to the age of 18, I did not always make wise decisions. And I had parents who were a safety net who would catch me when I would fall. And many of the kids that we work with, they just don't have anybody to call to catch them if they do make a poor decision or even if just life happens and they need assistance. That's amazing. I I, I, I don't think I made any mistakes when I was 18. So I was much no different. Way. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you became aware of this situation and then you decided that you would try to do something about it in the area of need. Uh, you, yes. you tell me that over, uh, the, uh, the average of 400 young adults, uh, out of foster care each year in Georgia alone. Now, what, mm -hmm. what does that mean? That means that we have 400 young adults who are, um, really coming out of the department of family and children's services. Um, and, and many of them have the opportunity to go to college they can stay in the foster care system and be, um, be given financial assistance. The challenge is they have to choose to stay in the system after 18, and many of them don't make that choice because they think they can make it on their own. And then, you know, life happens and, and they need somewhere to turn. Um, and then a lot of times we end up working with kids who don't age out of foster care, but either maybe they should have been in foster care, they needed, uh, their family was in, unstable. Um, or another example that we have that we're working with right now is a young lady and her, her mother just died. And so she's an orphan in, in, in the sense that her parents are no longer living. And that's, again, a way that we can come in and bridge that gap. Well, the need is out there. There's no question about it. And how did you decide to start Lydia's Place exactly? Sure. Uh, I'm a speaker by trade, so I speak usually in companies and do corporate settings. And it was, I guess it was 12 or 13 years ago, I was asked to speak at a luncheon or as an all-day event for the young adults who are aging out of foster care. And I went and I um, reluctantly, I didn't want to go. Um, I had other opportunities the same day and I felt like I was... You know, in my 20s and thought I was bigger and better than all the things. And so, um, but anyway, I ended up going to this luncheon and I met the kids who were aging out and it just really tugged on my heart. It grabbed my attention. And Danny, I would like to tell you that I did something with it right away. And I did not. I waited 10 years and did absolutely nothing. Um, but in those 10 years, I became a mom. And I remember when I was, when I first had 
um, my daughter, rocking her, nursing her, thinking about all of her needs and her future. And it just, it, it, it reignited this curiosity of what happens to kids who don't have parents who are in their court, who are taking care of their needs. And um, again, I did nothing. I just kind of thought about it for a while. And then the following year, I was teaching a class. I often teach on things like communication skills, public speaking, um, leadership development. In this particular class, vision development was also one of the topics. And so um, at the end of it was a 12-week class. And at the end of it, I had the, the grandparent of one of the individuals in the class came up to me and he said, well, what's your vision? And I laughed at him and I said, oh, I'm the teacher. I don't have to have a vision. <laughs> That's good. And, which is laughable now. Anyway, and he said, no, really, what's your vision? And I, I said, you know, I, someday I want to help with foster care. And immediately he said, well, can you go to lunch? And I said, no, I have to go pick my kids up from preschool. You know, I have to be with my kids. But we did schedule another lunch. And when we did, he encouraged me to go for it, to give it a try. And he started making some great connections for me in the community. And he also encouraged me to start a prayer team. And so I did that with other women who I felt like had an interest in foster care. So not necessarily my best friends, but instead people who just had a heart for the same type of of children. And so we prayed for eight months before we did anything. And I really believe that that eight months of us praying and preparing has made for really fast growth for Lydia's Place today. Well, I'm one of those, uh, maybe millions or whatever, that believe in prayer and believe Mm -hmm. that prayers get answered. They really do. Worthwhile prayers, I think, uh, get answered. And certainly that happened for you, and thank goodness it did. Uh, Maybe maybe you weren't ready. Maybe God wasn't ready to uh, anoint you with this task uh, 10 years ago or whenever. That's why it took so long. Oh, I believe that his timing is always better than mine, so I trust that there was a reason. Yeah, isn't that odd? Uh, Well, let's come back to uh, homelessness uh, and how it happened so quickly. I mean, I I don't even understand it uh, myself, but I want to understand it. Sure. So one of the things that I think is really important to understand about homelessness on college campuses today is that it's not the fault of the college campuses. Um, We have kids going to college now who've never been given the opportunity before. When you look at scholarships that are now available, financial assistance um, in Georgia, the HOPE scholarship and the lottery funded. So there have been a lot of um, awesome opportunities for young people to, to experience college. And for years, we've told kids that the way out of their situation is go to college, get your education. And the problem with it is that we are there, there often the kids get scholarships to go to college but that doesn't cover their housing. It doesn't necessarily cover their food. It doesn't cover their transportation. And so they arrive, and what we found is that there will be kids who get here on full ride, but they don't have sheets for their dorm bed. Okay. And and so we step in to meet some of those needs that fall between the cracks of grants and scholarships. Um, And also, again, going back, sometimes the, the young adults that we serve will get a scholarship. They will get grant money, and they don't always make strong financial decisions when they're at that age. And so when we work with a young adult, sometimes it is a result of something that's happened to them. And sometimes it's, it's a poor decision they've made. Um, but a poor decision can happen so, so quickly. And I'd love to give you an example. Um, this wasn't even a, this wasn't even a poor example or, or a poor decision. We had a young lady who we got a call 
uh, not from the Athens area. She was actually at, at another school in Georgia. And um, she called me from the intensive care unit in the hospital. And in order for her to be in school, she was working two jobs at a time. And she had had a couple of seizures and ended up in the hospital. Well, because she was in the hospital, she couldn't go to work. She couldn't go to work. She didn't have money to pay her rent. And she was going to be evicted while being in the hospital. And we were able to just pay her rent for one month. And what that did is allow her to bridge the gap till she could get back to work and, and fund herself again. And today she's a college graduate. And that's a big deal because if we have someone who's even in their third or fourth year and they've accrued debt to get through college and then they fall out of college for whatever reason, they now have an insurmountable amount of debt without the ability to go and make the right amount of money to pay it back. And so we are always looking to try to help someone pull them across to graduation so that they get a higher earning capacity and can pay for their own independence and they can pay back any debts that they have, but also they can pay for themselves forward. Well, it sounds like to me, it's a complex issue, but yet there are solutions for it all over the place. And you're providing those solutions through facilitating their opportunity to, as you say, pay back their loans or get on their feet or even believe in themselves. That's tough for a young person to believe in themselves when they're being outcast on college campuses all over and they just don't feel like they're worthy. And y'all fill in that that gap. And I... it, it really is. We have what we call the cycle of hope. And we take these individuals through different um, life skills or different mindset attitudes and help them see that there is hope, that there are people who want to come around and support them and to walk with them to a brighter future than they've come from. Well, that's fantastic because you just said that magic word, hope. <laughs> it is so often has not been identified by individuals. And, and then if it's not identified, it can't be personified, you might say. So they can't really benefit from it. But we all have hope. I don't care who we are and what we do, there's hope for us. And sometimes it takes intervention, intervention from other people. Uh, you know, I believe uh, strongly that all of us were put on this earth to help others. I really believe mm -hmm. that. We weren't put on this earth to make millions of dollars or all these other things, unless some of it's going to uh, charities, but we were, we were put on this earth to help other people. And that's exactly what you're put on this earth for. You're meeting your calling, you're meeting your purpose. And I love that because I think, uh, and you can comment on this, probably 70, 80% of the people don't ever find their purpose or they can't ever identify it. And so therefore they can't personify it. Uh, but you have. You know, I'm glad you say that. I was meeting with someone when I, early on in the process of starting Lydia's Place, and I was saying, I don't even know where to get started. I don't know what to do. And he said, find one thing, one small thing, but find one thing that you can do and do it well and allow people to come around you and help with that one thing and then expand on it. And so in looking at a purpose, Lydia's Place, we were really trying to just fill the gap of two weeks' time when someone experienced homelessness that we could get them back on their feet. And so we rented one single dorm room at the University of Georgia to be able to house the individuals. Um, and that was not that long ago. That was just three years ago. And we realized that there were young adults who needed assistance outside of the University of Georgia. And today we have 20 beds around the Athens area where we can um, help someone not just with two weeks, but with long-term housing. 
But when you look back, it was really one decision to help in one way to find one small purpose that then we could build on. So I think that's a really important point. Well, no question about it. Uh, As you say, uh, and you have uh, indicated to me that you've got to start small to get big. You can't start big and and get bigger necessarily. Uh, It's a, it's amazing to me that you have found this gap, you might say, in, in trying to address societal, societal needs. I'll get that word right in a minute. But uh, <laughs> these kids, you know, they go, to, they go to college with good intent. And as you said, they may even go with a loan. But I'm not sure I manage my money right all the time. How do you expect a 17 to 24-year-old know how to manage their money right? Uh, so that's an area that you all help it, it, as well. Uh, I, I am, uh, enthralled in the fact that there's so many needs out there and they have to be addressed, uh, but it, you know, it doesn't take a, maybe a million dollars, but it might take, uh, a thousand to help one kid. Mm-hmm. And y'all just don't have a bucket of money out there to do that with. You're trying to get donations and people involved in this program. Always. Yes. I mean, it does take money to make things happen. Um, and so we are definitely, we're a very small growing nonprofit. And so um, it, one thing that I think is neat is that when you contribute to a small nonprofit, you can make a really big difference. Oh. And so, you know, when you say $1,000, $1,000 for us will pay rent for um, two students for over a month um, for us to keep them in school. And that's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. Come back and tell me again, uh, relate to me what the actual problem is uh, out there, as you state in your brochure. And I don't like the word problem. I don't know whether you do or not. I like challenge. Uh, What is the challenge of your organization? When you say that the challenge that others are facing or the challenge that we are facing, like that we need help with within our nonprofit? How about both? Okay. Um, I would say the challenge for our our young friends is that um, many times they're the, for the first time on their own and they would like to remain an, uh, under the radar, if you will. They um, Nobody's proud to be homeless. I've, in fact, I've, I've, I've noticed a trend at, when I meet with a new individual, they typically will say, I've been staying in my car for a bit. And I will say, so that means you were homeless and they always look stunned, but that is the reality. No one likes to admit it. Um, and so many times they will try their best to hide. They don't want anybody to know. And I think homelessness, what people often think of with homelessness is that that's somebody standing on the side of the road with a sign, um, and telling everyone the kids that we serve, that is not at all the case. They are often what we call couch surfing. So they're staying with one friend to another, um, but they don't have any stability. And so, so that is a big challenge. We've also learned that homelessness is cyclical. So a lot of times financial aid drops and we don't hear from a student for one or two months. It's when they run out of that money that, that, that we will hear from them again and, and know that they need further assistance. As a nonprofit, one of the challenges that we face is that um, I think we meet the kids that we serve. We know the opportunities that they have and we want to help them with anything that we can immediately. And the opportunity, that's endless how we can help. Um, but we, you know, financially have to spend time raising money and making sure that we raise awareness in the community so that it gives us the long-term opportunity to help the kids. And so finances and then staffing is also, um, it takes money to hire people. And and the more we can have FaceTime with the kids, the better we can help them. 
No question about it. There's nothing more important than FaceTime. I, when you say FaceTime, I don't know if you're all talking about just uh, when they're in front of you or whether you're trying to get them to get in front of you with FaceTime efforts and that sort of thing. But if you come back to some of your challenges that are out there, uh, you got to identify the kids. You got to uh, make your facilities and your operation available to the kids by identifying mm-hmm. what you do. And at the same time, uh, they need to feel comfortable to come to you. It's all confidential, every bit of sure. it, I, I assume. And, and you know, in, in some instances, and maybe in many instances, who is out there to help them, you know, if you don't? Um, well, to give you an example, every college campus in the University of Georgia system has a foster or homeless liaison that's identified for the students to go to. And so there are resources when someone is on the college campus. And what we have found is that we've been able to expand and move very quickly by working in partnership with that individual on each campus. So when they make a referral, we can meet a lot of the needs pretty quickly now. Uh, You know, it used to be that we had to go looking for a place for them to live. And now, now we really have the means to help them pretty quickly and um, get them in a community. So one of my favorite things, Paul Clark is our director now. And one of the things that he says is that you don't have to go alone anymore. Um, And I think that that, that there's a lot of comfort in that and feeling like you're not, you're not having to navigate independence as an adult on by yourself, that we can surround you with a community of people who want to help. Well, let me ask you this, and you may not want to tell me uh, for confidential purposes. Is there one single individual like that guy that took you to lunch that we need to credit for helping you get this thing started? Oh, wow. Well, um, yes. So Archie Crenshaw is the man who took me to lunch and has really just put wind in my sails and and breathed life into what we were talking about and believed in the possibility. Um, And, and I think it's really important. He didn't just help us financially. He helped us with connections and setting up opportunities for us in the community. So that's a huge example of someone who's helped. And um, I would say another person who's helped tremendously is my friend, Heather. And the reason she comes to my mind is that when we started the prayer team, um, you know, there were people who would come in and out of the prayer team. And she finally, one day she said to me, April, I've committed, I'm going to pray you through this process. So she was behind the scenes quietly praying. And I would tell anyone out there who's trying to give hope to someone else, be a Heather, like find a way that you can give hope to someone who's trying really hard to do something um, and, and, and help them feel as though you are committed to them as a person. And it, it would go a long way. Well, Archie Crenshaw and Heather, we just throw out to you a thanks, a big, big thanks for getting something that's so important started. And uh, we know that your heart is in it. And again, we come back to prayer. By golly, it works. It just works. Okay. Well, tell me, uh, if you will, and tell our listeners what your vision is for Lydia's Place. Sure. Um, We would love for Lydia's Place to become, um, to be able to change Athens and that this community, the Athens area, um, one of the things that's unique here is that we have five college, cam- I mean, four college campuses right here in this area that serve a variety of needs. So from Athens Technical College to the University of Georgia, um, it allows students to have a school that fits their needs. We would love for Athens to become a destination point so that when someone leaves foster care or when they are struggling, they would know that Athens is a place that they could go and that they will be met with assistance. Um, one of the ways that we would like to do that, and it's a long-term picture, 
would be having our own building where we are housing larger numbers of individuals at a time. Um, so right now we have two different locations where we house um, our young adults and we rent both of them. We would love in the future for us to be able to own our own building that would also have facility for us to be able to hold group meetings and, and be able to, to really serve all of our um, friends in one place. Uh, I'm sure I'm positive that we can find a place that you can have paid for that will meet your needs if we try hard. And I know yeah. there are enough realtors in town. There are enough uh, owners of buildings in towns that are not being utilized. Uh, I found out that there's a whole uh, campus of uh, military bases. And I don't mean that for you, but that are not being utilized and they could mm -hmm. be for affordable housing. So we need to get to work on that. You need uh, donations. Now, how do they donate to you? So our website is www.lydias, L-Y-D-I-A-S, with a hyphen, place.com. And um, there's a place there to donate both financially, but also you can donate in-kind items as well. Um, and it lets you know what we need and how we can um, collect them from you. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to try to meet with you again at one of those famous lunches that got you started, uh, similar. Yes. <laughs> Help find you a place. If that sounds if, outstanding. If, if you're Lydia's place, we want to make it bigger. That's that's the yes. good news. Now, one thing that I want to uh, uh, heighten up here is the fact that we're in the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes. What mm -hmm. better time to try to identify hope and personify it and make it work for people out there, especially foster kids. Uh, we just need to be thankful for a lot of things. And I'm thankful for Lydia's place. Thank you so much. You know, our, the kids that we serve one, I asked, I was a, a young girl and I asked her, I said, where did you spend last Thanksgiving? And she said, Oh, I was with my cat. Um, and so it's, it's having a place to belong. And if you're on, if you're hearing this and you have a family that you will be spending the holidays with, there's so much to be thankful for and so much room for us to extend other people into our family and help them feel welcome as well. Well, as you say, the need and the challenge is out there, but it can be met if we'll keep praying about it and keep working on it. You know, uh, if you, if you, all you do is pray and wait for the answer and don't do anything, it, it doesn't work so well many of the times, but you're doing something about it. And I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud to talk to you. I'll be back in touch with you. I almost think we need another session and I just hope you continue to do well. I hope that you get a lot of contributions and I hope that we find you a bigger place to, uh, to house your mission. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Today's call to action involves getting in touch with Lydia's-Place.com, or you can probably just Google Lydia's Place and find it. They're in uh, dire need of a building to expand their operation, and they also need resources like every nonprofit needs. So get in touch with them. Remember to go to our website, thedannydanielshow.com, to submit your story. And if you have a good one, let us know about it. Come back next week and weeks after that to listen to all of our episodes. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode recorded at Vega Studios. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope.